So I wanted to use this opportunity right at the start here to just sort of update everyone on a new schedule. We posted this on Twitter, but it's good to have it in the actual show. So we now update every weekend instead of every Thursday. Basically at any point during the weekend, the episode can and will be posted. It's a bit vague and unpredictable, but basically within the last three months, I went very quickly from being never busy basically ever to being pretty much busy all the time. And I just needed to move the upload time frame because I needed to accept that I need some time off. And I can't be working on stuff always. Hashtag self-care. And to be honest, I also suffer from a lot of attention problems which can make it really hard to focus on editing sometimes. I'm actively working with my doctor to figure out a medication that would help me with that, but that might take weeks or even months until we find something that works. So I hope you'll have the patience with me and the sort of unpredictable upload time. Thank you. Welcome to Artificial Ghost Radio, your unofficial guide navigating the airwaves. I'm Miles. And I'm Mars. This is a podcast where every week we rediscover what makes music so special. Hi, Miles. Hi, Mars. How are you doing? I'm I'm feeling uh, anticipation and excited. Why is that? I'm sort of like in the middle of uh, submitting some assignments, some final exam stuff. So, you know, apprehensive, anxious, getting towards that. Sure, but sure. I'm excited to tell you something that happened yesterday. Okay. So, for one of my classes, it's called Emerging Screen Practices. We had to go into groups. It was a group assignment as our major task, and we had to come up with a show to pitch to Netflix. Right, yeah. Last week and this week, we had our pitches, because there are quite a few groups in my class, so, you know, and our pitch went pretty good, I'd say. I think mm-hmm. we did all right. And then two wonderful things happened, because, okay. mind you, this was a three-and-a-half-hour class. We were exhausted just from, like, sitting there and mm-hmm. not doing anything one of the wonderful things is uh one of the dudes who was presenting and demonstrating what one of the characters in their pitch does which is put his foot up on a stool or a chair or like whatever surface is nearby and so the guy uh did it like he put his foot up quite quickly to put it on a stool and uh his shorts ripped from hither to nither and it was the loudest noise in the universe that day it caused ripples. 
Yeah, I mean, I I was wondering what that ripping sound yeah, was. Yeah, right in the middle of the night for you, probably. Yeah, absolutely. I woke up to it. I was startled in the night by this. <laughs> and then the dude was just like, oh man, I'm throwing off my game now. I'm operating at 80% because I just ripped my shoulder. <laughs> that's 80% to be, like, that's still pretty good. I feel, yeah. like I'd be at a, I feel like I'd be at about 40. Yeah, when he sat down, he was like, man, I'm not like one to get embarrassed by that sort of thing, but that really threw me off my game. <laughs> he was wonderful and it sucked because the pitch was uh great like the idea for the show was really interesting but all i could think about was the shorts right yeah and the second fantastic thing that happened was the last presentation had a little special surprise and they brought in the main character of their pitch in costume with a little dog because the character what? could talk to animals and the dog's name was broccoli and she was the sweetest little baby i've ever seen oh my gosh but here's the kicker mars guess okay. what broccoli did Ooh, okay she did a piss everywhere mars oh <laughs> well i was gonna come up with like a cool dog stunt but i guess that is kind of like an uncool dog stunt yeah because they put her on the ground and then because everyone in the class clearly was very excited about having a dog and don't know how dogs work they all started like calling her and like trying to get her to trot over to them and she freaked out and pissed hmm yeah that that makes sense yeah all in all successful pitches yeah i mean good thing it was <laughs> on the last one huh yeah i think that would be a bit of a weird energy to continue on with yeah um hi so my name's mars i'm here to present my show um i did have a whole thing but i do kind of have to walk around the piss now so Mm -hmm. yeah let um, me just here we go oh it's spreading oops oops oh it's turning into a a goopy piss monster whoops happy halloween happy halloween (laughs) (laughs) stupid dumb this is the weirdest goosebumps cover ever Haunted piss carpet. The piss that stalked me. So what piss-related story do you have for me? Um, well, so, um, I, mm, I got nothing, my dude. I can't believe you didn't bring a piss story. Sorry, because usually we have at the start of the show, we have our little piss corner, and really nothing exciting and piss-related happened to me recently. Mm, that's very disappointing, Mars. It's very disappointing and and pretty unexpected. Usually on most weeks, it's just piss abounding. Buckets but, uh, of it, yeah. Hey, can we move on, please? Absolutely not. <laughs> so, Mars. Hi, Miles. What's up? What is special about today's episode? So, what's special about today's episode is that, as we have talked about and alluded to a couple times, and in fact, delayed an episode unexpectedly, mm-hmm. it's the listener suggestions special. Uh, our first one. We're gonna do. We're gonna do more. Of these as, as we go on uh and and as a matter of fact we better do more of these because we have a whole mighty list of suggestions that we're we're not bringing this this episode yup because it's kind of hard to bring that many songs um gnome the barbarian on twitter alone brought i think like 15 songs or more i think yeah so if if you suggested a song and it doesn't make it on here, it will come up probably. It'll come. It'll come up eventually for sure. So Mars. Yeah. What up? What's your first song? So my first song, my dear friend Miles, and my deal is "Forbidden Colors" by Ruichi Sakamoto and David Sylvain. And who was this suggested by? 
This song was suggested by friend of the show, Ezra Pascal. Aw, Ezra. Ezra, as previous listeners will know, is the one that wrote Grapevine. Yeah, that old chestnut. So this is this is kind of an odd pick in a way, because uh, this song was created for the movie Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence, mm-hmm. which is a movie that I have never seen, but it's apparently about two soldiers, two, two dudes being gay and falling in love during a war, and it's probably very sad. Mm, I also haven't seen it. I don't know, just kind of get the vibe that it's probably very sad. <laughs> Almost certainly. Almost certainly. This song is really nice, though. Uh, still a little bit sad, but, you know, such is the nature of things. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying a hot new thing where I don't talk for, like, ten minutes before we listen to the song. Yep. So let's listen to the song. Thought all I needed was to believe gives me some pretty major studio ghibli vibes which is like the first time i'm pronouncing that their name in front of the internet so i i I eagerly await the correction it is ghibli (laughs) is it ghibli a lot of americans say ghibli and i really don't think that's right i don't know i mean the whole song the the production on the song it really has this sort of peacefulness but not like a not like a permanent peace not like a not like blissful either more like taking a moment to appreciate the beauty around you while your life falls into chaos yeah i can definitely say that it's um a song for the climax of a movie where like shit is just about to go down right and it's i mean it's important to sort of note that you know it was made for a movie specifically fit the vibes of that movie so it's kind of interesting to talk about it being that neither of us have ever seen this movie mm-hmm. but as a song just separate from its context i don't know i think it sells this this moment this this thought this second of somebody's life and being it's a movie about finding love during a war kind of makes sense being that it's about being gay it makes sense. Well, yes, it, this this song has um, incredibly gay overtones. I don't know. It's it's a really it's a really beautiful song, and yes, <laughs> yeah. I, I was just I'm desperate to, to for you to jump in. <laughs> I was just waiting for you to you know talk a bit more. That's fine. I think it's interesting as a song that is about being queer and also like it says on the Gina Sirx page again, Gina Sirx sponsor us. <laughs> it is also about religious exploration and living with sort of religious guilt. It was interesting just thinking about it because I've never had to live a particularly closeted life and I've never had to live with uh, religious guilt. Everyone to an extent is living in a closeted space, but like 
you are constantly coming out of the closet once you come out of the closet. Right, yeah. But I've never had to, like, stay in there out of fear because I'm a very confrontational Mm -hmm. person and I'll just yell at people. Hell yeah. But it's a really interesting song thinking about, like, like like you said before, like, I haven't seen the movie, but, like, thinking about, like, what it must be if this is an 80s movie about two queer soldiers. That's a very specific uh, feeling and relationship Mm -hmm. to have. Yeah, I mean, this is a a David Sylvain song. I don't know much about David Sylvain, one of Ezra's favorite artists, evidently. Don't know a thing about the man. Mm -hmm. To me, his appearance on this song almost feels secondary, you know? His voice is beautiful and supports the song really well, but it's Ruichi Sakamoto's production that really makes this song for me. Oh yeah, the production is really sticking with me. It is very spirited away specifically it is, it's incredible yes spirited away is um is definitely i i was thinking um certain moments in princess mononoke mm, that too yeah yes yeah i think looking at princess mononoke and spirited away and both of those are very like i mean like princess mononoke it's very uh spiritual and i would say maybe kafka-esque in certain ways um and mm-hmm. about war uh and then spirited away is all about this like tradition as well as that weirdness that supernatural vibe and this song definitely has that like not specifically supernatural but like other or like a different realm or a different reality sort of vibe to it because of that and sakamoto is really this this big accomplished musician i i barely know anything about him but a cursory google search will tell you that this guy is a big deal there's a reason why his name is in equal measure with David Sylvain's in the attributions of the song, even though he doesn't have a vocal contribution to it. His production, I think, it sells the story of the song maybe maybe a little bit better than the lyrics do, although I, I don't know that the song would be the same without the lyrics. Yeah, I was going to ask you, have you ever had an experience like I was talking about before where you were either feeling very guilty about your sexuality or your gender expression? Oh, for sure, for sure. Like had to not reveal a relationship or something like that. Obviously, you don't have to get into specifics. See, I don't know, because like, I feel like a lot of times my sort of battles with my sexuality gender identity all of that have been more with myself mm-hmm. but i mean at the same time i mean i have to live in the closet um a lot you know because like it's the unfortunate reality of being non-binary yeah like if i was going to come out at work i'd have to explain individually to every one of my co-workers what the fuck i'm talking about and then continuously correct them yeah and it was just like let's it's not worth the effort. It really does. It reminds me of um when I was in uh, my sociology class in grade 12, and we were doing our um, gender and sexuality unit, and my teacher was like, okay, so here's a little exercise. Turn to the person next to you, and using only gender-neutral pronouns, talk about a friend or a family member of yours, someone that you're very close to. And I was like, this mm-hmm. is the easiest thing in the world. <laughs> I have so many non-binary friends and sure. a lot of people really struggle getting sentence structure right and just uh especially when it's someone that's personal and very close to you and who used to refer right. to in particular ways it gets pretty hard the the main struggle i feel that people fall into initially is trying to make figure out the tense mm-hmm. uh, that they should be speaking in mm-hmm. like i have to make it possessive and i'm like you are making it possessive yeah <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I 
there's not much in this song that I feel like I can I can personally relate to, but it's a song that has a lot of perspective to it. Yeah, it's a very intimate song. For real, it, yeah. It feels really personal. And I, I get, like, that is definitely the vibe because it is written for a movie in a particular scene. And without the context, it definitely feels like you've sort of been dropped into a situation mid-event. And you're not yeah, quite sure what's happening. Yeah. yeah, there's a sort of confusion to it. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's 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 sort of interesting because I feel like this sort of production is maybe not something that is generally associated with like war music absolutely not but i think it it really does a good job of of selling the the emotions of war and and the emotions of trying to find light during a war yeah which again i have no experiences with but uh, it, you know it puts me in a place and i i think that's i th- i think it's really i think it's really good and neat i think that's a good way to describe it honestly it puts you in a particular place it's a very uh scenic song perhaps yeah i like it it's a good song yeah all right well i i think that's that's you know that's all i have to say all right on this song um miles yeah what is your first song for this week so my song my first song rather is Megalovania by Toby Fox from the of Undertale soundtrack. Of course it is. Suggested by my lovely friend Nathan Wolf. His Twitch is the underscore iPad underscore gamer. He does little game streams that he's going to start up in December. Uh, and you'll probably also see my face there. That's going to be fun. A collaboration. All right. It's Homestuck time. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> goody goody. All right. See, here's the fun thing, because my parents do listen to this show. There are times where I think, you know, oh, is this, am I going to have to explain this Mm -hmm. to my parents later? Good luck. And here's the the fun thing for for me on this one, is that um, I don't actually have any answers for this one. I, I don't know anything about Homestuck, and I barely know anything about Undertale. I have played approximately an hour of it okay, several years ago. I know the gist. <laughs> oh no, I thought you'd played it. That's fine. I've seen the speed run of it. Sure. All right. So, I'm so sorry. I read Homestuck for four years, and I don't know the plot of Homestuck. My favorite thing is that the whole uh, meme going around, that like one tweet that's like, <laughs> every so often someone reinvents Homestuck and they put it on the ends of things that is actually true and then 20 people just utterly like what the fuck is Homestuck about yeah okay this is this is sort of a dark well that I really hoped we wouldn't be going down listen okay we are going down a dark well but I I have a rope I have a okay. I, I'm giving you a head torch and I won't go down too deep because it is just the prelude to talking about Undertale. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, let's get into it, I guess. Do you want to listen to it? Uh, yeah, if that's where we're going. Let's listen to it. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to have to edit in Megalovania into this podcast. <laughs> <laughs>
So for for this one, I feel like I'm I'm gonna take more of a backseat role, and I'm just gonna let you go. <laughs> okay. Like I said, I've given you a head torch. Mm-hmm. We're buckled to mm-hmm. the rope. So here's here's I guess the main question that I'm gonna ask first. Mm-hmm. Um. So you know all of the all of the hubbub about the animated classics Trolls One and Trolls Two. Sure. Is Homestuck Trolls Zero? The implic- like, I know you don't understand the implication you just made, but the implication you just made is the most insane thing I've ever heard. And also, yes. <laughs> yes My favorite yes. thing is because I know literally nothing about Homestuck other than... Jokes? No, I know lit- I, literally nothing Jokes about Homestuck. So, I, I love that at any moment I'm on a tightrope of accidentally making a Homestuck reference or or saying something accidentally significant to, mm-hmm. you know. Well, let's see. Okay, um, here are some of the many ways you could accidentally reference Homestuck by using colors, talking about the Zodiac, talking about uh, the expansion of space-time, talking about video games, talking about stairs, or talking about Texas. <laughs> Texas is a weird one mm-hmm, for me. Mm-hmm. Okay, I guess in the short one-sentence version, why is Texas such a big deal? Oh, because <clears throat> one of the main characters, Dave Strider, lives in Houston, Texas, and <laughs> a meteor crashes into the Earth that he references being the size of Texas. That doesn't seem like it should be. Well, there's so many layers to this, I don't know. Let's get into it. I also thought you were going to ask me to give you a one-sentence explanation of what Homestuck is, and I almost had a no. There, I know nothing about Homestuck, but I know that the reason that is is because there is no one-sentence explanation. Fully. There would have to be at least six. Let's, let's talk Megalovania. So Megalovania makes its first appearance in 2011 in the Homestuck Flash S. Wake, where um, some shit happens. I was going to explain, like, do you want me to say the words and you not understand them? You know what? Yes, Okay, please. so. <clears throat> I want everybody to live in my confusion and terror <laughs> right now. Sick. So, Megalovania happens in the Homestuck Flash S Wake, where Beck Noir flies through space and destroys the Troll Sessions Durst planet in their dream forms, and you see Fefri and Nepeta die. Then Aradia mm-hmm. ascends to God Tier while he releases the Green Miles, and Vriska, as the newly ascended Thief of Life, kills Tavros. I don't think that I knew that there was so much murder in Homestuck. Are you shitting my dick? <laughs> I did. I don't know what it's about. Uh, okay, so here's a little um, thing about Homestuck: is Mars. Literally every character has died five times. Mm, fun in terrible, bloody ways. It's also about mm. like the apocalypse and murdering your friends and a lot of other stuff. There are a lot of like ghosts and stuff. It's I fully can't get into it. <laughs> it's so much. Anyone okay. that's read Homestuck that's listening to this is like, oh, God, you're butchering this. So we're, we're connected to this to this rope, but mm-hmm. we just slipped like five feet. No, no, okay, let me go, let me go. All right. But you go. So Megalovania is mostly associated with Vriska, who is, um, it's definitely a meme. <laughs> People add Vriska to things. I can't explain it further than that. Vriska's a meme. She's the representation of Scorpio. 
So sorry, Scorpio is a pretty bad character. And it became super duper popular in the fandom because it is a fucking bitbop jam. It's a fantastic song. And then it made its second appearance when Undertale came out in 2015. As, uh, sure did. as the boss music for the murder run when you fight Sans. Yeah, the, the, the secret hidden, well, not secret. It's not like, secret and it's not hidden. Um, the, 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 the boss that you fight the dark if, ending. You're a, if, if you're a bad child. If you kill everybody, then you get to fight Sans. Um, yeah, anyway. We're not going to fucking do Undertale spoilers. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a fast-paced song. It plays in the boss fight when you fight Sans, the hardest fight in all of the game. I don't know that that's true. I had some trouble, troubles with the dog. Okay, which one? I don't know. All right. <laughs> okay, you threw me off. All right. <laughs> so, I'm back. I'm back. Hi. So, actually, recently, uh, my friend Shanae, friend of the show, was doing a project on Undertale because Undertale had a very interesting phenomenon happen where it came and went so quickly. <laughs> it was like a like a maybe five months fucking came and went because uh, the mm-hmm. fandom is hell. Uh, I would describe it as yeah, because that's the other thing to sort of I guess address is that both of the fandoms attached to the song are um a lot. Oh please, no one's pretending that Homestuck isn't terrible. <laughs> Undertale started off very nice. I'm not pretending. I'm being kind. That's true. But the thing is, Homestuck started terrible. Undertale became terrible. It's very different. Also, Undertale is aimed at kids. And yeah. it is a very... Not not PG, but like, it's just a nice game. It's just nice. It's sweet. Yeah. One thing I want to make clear. I have not played much of Undertale, but I don't want to throw it in a shade. Oh, yeah. It, it is a legitimately excellent game that I will probably never beat. That's valid. It's, it's one of those things where um, the sort of fandom attached to it has really soured the game for me in a way for everyone yeah definitely and you know like at this point like it 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 really feels like the magic is 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 way ruined for me on the game yeah like i was saying when i was talking to shanae for their project uh, we were talking about the sort of rise and fall and how it happened. It was definitely perpetuated by sort of terrible fan spaces like Tumblr, 4chan, Reddit, that sort of thing. That really sort of corrupted the game. We were talking about a very interesting case that happened with Markiplier. He is a YouTuber slash streamer and he does video games. And when Undertale came out, uh, which was 2015, he got a lot of requests to play it. Uh, and he put up the first two episodes of it. But the thing with Undertale is that you can do a pacifist run or you can do a murder run or you can do a neutral run. And a lot of people try for either side of the spectrum. And the pacifist run is seen as the quote-unquote good run, the good ending. Uh, and the murder run is the bad ending. And you achieve both of them by either sparing every character or killing every character. I feel like most people listening to this show have an idea of what Undertale is. But to, to, to get the idea of what we're talking about, the main sort of mechanic of Undertale is that it's, you know, it's like an RPG like Final Fantasy or whatever, but you can make the decision to kill an enemy or like try to pacify it by being nice to it and and encouraging it and shit like that. Mm -hmm. And so... 
because of that, and also this was like right when it came out, people didn't necessarily know because also Toby Fox, the creator, wanted people to figure it out by themselves. He didn't want to influence people by saying, you have to spare everybody, you have to be merciful. He wanted you to play it like a game. And because of how used people like are with traditional JRPGs, uh, like Earthbound and yeah, Final Fantasy and that sort of thing, he's sort of used to just killing everything. Um, and so Mark, Markiplier, went around and sort of spared some people and killed some people, which you all want to do in a JRPG. And because of that, he got mm-hmm. so much hate and so much negative feedback from fans of his, and people started unsubscribing left and right, which is his only revenue, is people viewing his videos, that he didn't play it for, I think, another year or so. And he then started doing it on stream, and he was like, okay, I've like broken down, I'm going to do Undertale. And the thing is, like, he discovered like while he was playing it, he was like, oh, I don't want to kill anybody, because I feel a lot of sympathy and empathy for these characters. Like, people didn't need to bully me into not killing anyone. Like, I want to do good at this game. But because of, like, the really negative, hostile environment of the Undertale fandom, uh, it really pushed him away from this game that now he really loves. Yeah, and that's something that, like, I feel like it happens a lot in in video game communities, especially. There are a lot of... I guess, impetuses for toxicity in fandom communities of any kind. But oftentimes in gaming communities, like, the the conceit is that, you know, you're not playing the game right. Yeah. Therefore, yeah. you are a bad person? And a lot of people do that with stuff like uh, Pokemon, especially. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, and, you know, famously, like, Dark Souls and whatever. Oh, absolutely. Uh, these This idea that there is unintended correct way to play a video game when actually that's not how games are designed that speaking isn't as how a game games designer are designed, yeah. There's a thing as embracing failure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway. In an interview that Toby Fox had with Chris Isaac, uh, a games reviewer, Chris asked, One of the most unique things about Undertale is how you gave the player a route to complete the game without killing anyone. Since RPGs are so story-based and about player choice, why do you think that option isn't more common? And then Toby answered, Because it's way more complex to include it as a potential option. Also, hurting things is normalized and has loads of embellished ways to make it feel fun. You really can't just do it. And I think that's one of the reasons why Undertale succeeded is because he didn't just take uh, the simple concept of, oh, you can just not kill people. He took that concept and then went, it needs to be as interesting and as difficult for people to be nice as it is to be mean, and people need to make the active decision to be kind. Yeah. Again, like, I have nothing bad to say about the game. Mm -hmm. It's just one of those unfortunate situations where, like, you know, you feel so turned off from a game Mm -hmm. not because the game is bad or poorly designed or even that you don't like it but because it's been people yell at you a bunch Mm -hmm. it's one of those things for like i would never tell people anymore i would just like play it and be quiet about it exactly yeah i think it's interesting that it's become such like a big meme and like a you know just a big thing a big to do and especially in regards to why i bought uh megalovania is because the sands fight is one of the most harrowing things in the whole game and it's this really tense awful moment where he's confronting you about killing everyone he loves and like it is dark and awful and people have turned it into this fucking meme and it's just and it's like it's fine obviously like fuck it free speech like i don't give a shit but it's so interesting yeah fandom is very weird and there are a lot of good reasons why i don't really participate in in it anymore yeah i i was going through like reviews and interviews and stuff uh, trying to find talking points and honestly like 
the people that write reviews for Undertale don't talk about the same things that I want to talk about. Mm-hmm. I love it because of its empathy. I love it because of its characters. I love it because it made me feel at home. It is a game that makes you mm-hmm. feel at home, and it sucks that it's been sort of pushed to what it is. And I definitely re- recommend uh, listening to the soundtrack. I think it's wonderful. Um, Toby Fox is an amazing composer. There are... I mean, uh, it's it's very chip tuning, mm-hmm. obviously. Uh, yeah, like there's there's a lot of like really amazing tracks that really do sell the different moments in the game. Absolutely. Um, well, all right. Do you uh, do you have anything anywhere else to any any, any other any other avenues that you want to explore? No, I think I'm good. All right. Thank you, Nathan, for the suggestion. Yes, thank you so much. And uh, I also I don't think I thanked Ezra uh, earlier, but thank you, Ezra. Thank you, my two friends. Yes. Hey, what up, everyone? It's Mars, here to show off some cool skateboard tricks. Here we go. Welcome to the break. I just wanted to use this opportunity to remind everyone to be kind and to help where you can. Focus on the people you love and how you can brighten their days. If you have some kind words to share with another listener, you can DM us on Twitter at ArtGhostPod, or you can email us at ArtGhostPod at gmail.com. All right, let's get back to it. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. I've been here the whole time. I'm not stuck in here with you. You're stuck in here with me. We're stuck in here together. What's up? <laughs> Stupid dumb podcast. Uh, oop, we were, we were, cops coming in. The podcast is closed down for being too dumb. That's fair enough. We got a cease and desist from the Smarty Pants Committee. I think you mean from Clown College. No, well, no. Actually, the Nation of Clown College has... The Nation of Clown College. Is is not currently at war with us. Is that like when in America there's like college towns, but it's a nation? Yeah, yeah, it's where all the clowns live. Mm-hmm. Um, God, I want to live there. <laughs> take, take me there. Take me down to the clown empire. <laughs> Needless it as the show should know, I do love clowns. Uh, you would not get along with my mother. Uh, she hates clowns. Nathan, our suggester of the last song that I just did, fucking hates clowns. And I gave him a, a painting of a clown that we found in our shed that we didn't know that we had. It was painted by a dead man. It's definitely haunted. That is, definitely that's, that's, that's a Lemon Demon song, actually, is the thing. Fully! That is, like, when he died, and it was just, yeah. like, the barn burned down, and there was a painting of a clown. <laughs> I was like, did I own that painting? Yeah. Getting out of the clown college. Uh, the sovereign nation of clown college. I have a new segment. Oh, fun. It's a new segment. I will get back to uh, the quiz corner probably next week. And next week is our Halloween episode. So. Oh, okay. But no, but week after that. we got to do something spooky. Yeah, we'll do something special for the Halloween episode. Spooky and Makuchi. All right. Now. Ready for this new segment? Well, no, don't cut it. I'm you not ready going for the to, new... <laughs> but, but now. Are you ready for the new segment? Yeah, let's, let's, let's do it. This new segment is called Until... <laughs> can't even do it with it i do it without laughing until the twitter end who tweeted that okay <laughs> so i have some i have some musician tweets All right. and i'm gonna get you to guess uh multiple choice which artist 
tweeted it. All right. That sounds great. And also, I did not adequately compliment your that, that excellent name for this segment. Oh, until the Twitter end, who tweeted it's, that? It's pretty good. Thank you. <laughs> all right. These aren't especially hard, I don't think. But I tried to make all the options seem at least plausible. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. So are you ready for number one? Uh, yeah. What up? Tape the sound of the moon fading at dawn. Give it to your mother to listen to when she's in sorrow. Now, okay. Now, before you get to the the options, yeah, I do want to know what sound the moon makes. Oh, it sounds like this. Mm, yes, that would that would definitely cheer me up if I'm in sorrow. You know, like when you're camping and it's like sunset and you're there with your friends and it's like a bonfire and you like look up and, and the moon's going down and it's just going. Yeah, yeah. I've never yeah. been camping, so. What the fuck? Who are you? You live in Oregon. Yeah, but I also like the indoors. That's valid. And your options are A, Bjork, B, Yoko Ono, or C, Mitski. Hmm. Now, so, see, here's here's the issue. Um, well, one, I don't think Yoko Ono tweeted that. Okay. I was not 100% sure that she was still alive, but I don't think she has a Twitter account either way. I believe she's alive. And the other reason why I don't think it's her is because I did go see, like, her art exhibit and... Oh. Being that it had a big projected image of her vagina, mm-hmm. I don't think that sort of poetic subtlety is really her bag. You do okay, but it is Yoko Ono. Like I just, <laughs> I just don't think that's her. Had, she that's was her married right to now. John Lennon. Okay, that's valid. Uh, also, you know. she is still alive. Okay, good. She's like 67. Okay, so the other options are Bjork and Mitski. That feels like a Mitski thing. Does it? Yeah, I'm going to go All with right. Mitski. Final answer, Mitski? Yeah, why not? Bow, bow. It was Yoko Ono. Well. Bitch. <laughs> I didn't even know she had a Twitter account. <laughs> she does indeed. Oh. She's one of them weird old ladies. Sure. I mean, that's about what I'd expect from from, <laughs> from, uh, from Yoko Ono. From Yoko Ono at this, at this stage mm-hmm. in life. But also, all three of those answers would tweet that. Yeah, yeah. Number two. I can't believe my grandmother's making me take out the garbage. I'm rich, fuck this. I'm going home. I don't need this shit. Wow. I mean, just just take out the trash, young one. I know, I know. Just, it takes five minutes. Mm Mm-hmm, not even. You've got five minutes, my dude. You can buy that time. All right. Is it A, 50 Cent, B, Kanye, or C, Macklemore? Now, I feel like 50 Cent has more respect for his grandmother than that. And I also think Macklemore has more respect for his grandmother than that. But mm-hmm. I don't know that Kanye West does. I think Kanye West has respect for anyone. <laughs> so I'm going to say this is a Kanye West sort of tweet. All right. Is that your final answer, Kanye? Uh, Yeah. It was 50 cent. I guess he doesn't. I guess. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I'm not sure when that tweet was. So maybe he's more respectful now, but I don't know. You'd hope, you'd hope so. Hope so. But, but come on, 50, take out the goddamn trash. Yeah. Come on now. All right. Number three. 
and uh, this has a bit more context behind it. This okay. The tweet is in response to someone else tweeting, sit on my face, in all caps. And then mm. this person said in response, sit on your own damn face, I'm busy. <laughs> Was that A, Nicki Minaj, mm-hmm. B, Cher, or Cher. C, Carrie Fisher? Oh, de- well, I mean, Carrie Fisher is not m- musical, really. She's not a musician, I don't think. I mean, I've read her book, so and she doesn't. She does not mention music. So, as much as that is absolutely a Carrie Fisher thing, I mean, I don't know. There are no rules, so it could very much be a Carrie Fisher thing. You know what? I'm, I was going to say Nicki Minaj. I think that's a, that, that's a share. Is that a share right there? I think that's a share right there. Ding, ding, ding. That is indeed a share right there. Hell yeah. And that concludes until the Twitter end. I always get questions right by going with my second answer, it seems. Yup. So I should just do that every time. Because my logic has not worked out well for me so far. Until the day that it actually was your gut answer, though. And then everything's going to be thrown into jeopardy. Well, there there was the one time where it was my first answer... And then you convinced me to go with another one. I was just giving you all the facts. Like telling you that Yoko Ono is alive, dickhead. (laughs) I mean, that is definitely important information to know. I just thought that she was in a different artistic period in her life. You'd think. Well, Mars, I just have one more question for you. Oh, really? That's exciting. What's your next song? Oh, fuck. Well, yeah, that would be. (laughs) That would be. I I thought we were... Continuing on with the segment, but that would be the the, the next thing, wouldn't it? The, the logical next step, sure. Yeah, yeah. Um. So my my first song, Miles. Did I say my first song? I have. I I think I just. I think I passed out. So so my second song this week, Miles, mm-hmm. is "Hard Times" by Patrick Wolf. Okay. Okay. So the song was also submitted by Ezra. Um, Indeed, it was. Which I picked the songs before checking that, mm-hmm. but they're both very much my jam. So thanks, Ezra. Thank you, Ezra, the real MVP of Artificial Ghost. With without you, Ezra, this podcast would, I mean, most likely still exist, but it's it wouldn't be the same without you. Absolutely. Um. Uh, so before we get into the song, and before I say anything about anything, I do want to use this opportunity to say that Patrick Wolf's first album is called Lycanthropy, so like, he doesn't miss an opportunity, huh? He knows what his brand's about. Yeah, he, he knows. Let's listen to the song. All right. I'm getting right into it. This is unusual. I love it. Uh, I can't guarantee that it will continue this way. Fuck, I love a good violin. Me too. Especially if it's not where it's supposed to be. <laughs> okay, now explain that. <laughs> Elaborate. The violin is, it does feel out of place, but it totally is the song. Mm-hmm. And that glitchy intro is very fun too. I do it, quite like it. It's, the intro has a sort of like messy sound to it. Like, you know, 
like a layers of of sounds and layers of like and and the way that the that the violins sort of cut through the the intro it's sort of like you know like the, these bright revolutionary violins cutting through the signal through, through cutting through the static whatever the majority of the song's instrumentation is is built to support that that excellent violin loop with yeah. this little vocal sample from the intro breaking in like to trying to like the the signal that they cut through at the beginning is trying to break back or whatever you know, even if the narrative isn't that deep, this production tells a story through the sort of emotions and connections we make while listening. And the violins are definitely uh, indicative of, I would say, more historical uh, revolution sort of anthems and songs. For um, sure. Because this song is about resolution and revolution. Yeah, yeah. this is this is a very revolutionary song, um, which is, I mean, it ain't subtext or nothing. That's just text. Mm-hmm. This song came out in 2009, which... It does not sound like it came from 2009. But also, for me, it also per- places itself sort of very firmly in the time where it came from, less in its production and more in its sort of attitude. Sure. To me, this song represents sort of more of a more of a cynical descent, you know? Mm. This song seems to come from the perspective of like, everything sucks and everyone is complicit in it sure which is definitely something that i felt around the time the song came out i was in middle school i believe and i've talked about it a couple times but middle school for me was really i would say the darkest period in my life and i was definitely angry about how unfairly i felt that i was being treated and how school didn't seem to be built for me and it was representative of larger problems I didn't know the full scope of what I was talking about, and I didn't have a good outlet for it or whatever. And those sort of feelings, I feel, are are represented in this song, and I feel are, are sort of feelings that are, are representative of maybe where we were as, as a world in 2009. I mean, that was right after the 2008 housing market crash in america which affected the rest of the world as well you know like there's there's this this cynical vibe and like the song wants things to be better and it wants people to do something about it it even encourages the listener by saying the battle will be won but i don't think it knows that for sure i think that's an interesting perspective to take to me it feels like like an old queer anthem almost in that it sort of sounds a bit uh q lazarus it's, I don't know how to describe it. it. It feels like second wave feminism song more than it feels like a modern song to me. Sure. And it feels really firmly planted in the 80s, like production-wise, lyrics-wise. I think it's really interesting that you feel very um, strongly for like a particular period in your life towards the song. Yeah, like, I feel like, especially in, in America at that time, there was this sort of doubt to everything Mm. there was this uncertainty and i don't know that there was necessarily a lot of hope in the sort of general public narrative it was more like a sense that and i feel like this is this is sort of reflected this in the song and i feel like it's interesting because patrick wolf is not an american artist but i feel like this there's a very strong american history connection with this song or at least that's, I feel like, you know, there's there's a lot of similarities in, in 
the emotions of that he's talking about and the emotions that, you know, I, I remember us sort of feeling at that time. But there was this sort of feeling that, like, you just had to sort of force yourself to move on until it gets better. Yeah, definitely. I, I feel like that conceit is sort of felt in this song. Yeah, it's really interesting. It, it's very, like, I would kind of call it nihilistic, but it's angrier than nihilism. Yeah. I don't know what that is. It's not anarchy. It's not chaos. It's no, just, no. I guess, being pissed off. Yeah, it's just being pissed off and, and sort of resigned. Yeah. Not not resigned to the reality, but resigned to the fact that it'll take time to recover. Yeah, I guess it's more acknowledgement than anything. Yeah, for sure. I feel like there's there's a definite contrast to songs and and even my own emotions about the sort of situation today. I, yeah. I feel like we as as a people have, or at least I do, a more hopeful and op- optimistic descent. Mm. You know, like I, don't get me wrong. Things are really bad, but now more than ever, people are aware and conscious of what's going on. Yeah. We're certainly not out of the woods, but there's nothing for fascists to hide behind anymore. Yeah, people are fighting back in more solid ways. Yeah, fascists and abusers are being forced out of hiding, and that's where they're at their weakest. So even if this song isn't sure... I am. I think this battle will be won. I think you're right. But yeah, I think I think that's all I got to say on this one. So yeah, uh, Miles. All right, all right, it's time for my dog. Well, what's what's your song there? My dog. Oh, right, let me get it. It's in this box. Oh shit! I taped it shut accidentally. Ah, fuck. Uh, my my last song. My second and last song. Your last song ever. I'll die is Lovecraft in Brooklyn by the Mountain Goats, and that was suggested by Gnome the Barbarian. Hey, Gnome the Barbarian, do you, do you want a confession? Uh, I mean, I'm not a holy man, but I will take them. <laughs> I have no idea anything about the Mountain Goats. <laughs> I don't think you're the only one. <laughs> but I feel like the, the Mountain Goats is sort of like, you know, they're they're sort of a uh, unacknowledged sort of top tier indie band. Mm-hmm. That's why um I was going to do the song first, but I thought it would be more appropriate to do it in the second half. Because mm-hmm. we could sort of get more into it a bit. You, you didn't want the final song to on, on our listeners' ears to be Megalovania. Considering your reaction to it, I think I made a pretty good decision. <laughs> so tell me about the song all right <laughs> i will try and stop me um <laughs> i will i've got a knife so lovecraft in brooklyn uh is from the album heretic pride which is one of the i think either the most or one of the most popular mountain goats albums they have so many i didn't look it up but they have so many albums jesus christ um like yeah, they, they... john daniel puts out like shit at least once every year he's been coming since like the 80s or 90s so prolific they got some shit going yeah uh i guess like i i will get more into it after we listen to the song do you remember the first time you realized that prolific does not just mean good i no. okay i guess that's just a me thing yeah sorry bud (laughs) 
I remember the first time I heard the word penultimate and went, oh, that's a word. That's it. This is the whole bit. I heard the word penultimate and I was like, oh, it's like before ultimate. Interesting. The English language and its many expanses. Could could someone else relate to me on this one that they that they thought that that um what's what was the word again? Oh my god, prolific. Prolific, thank you. They thought that prolific just meant that they that the artist was really good, not that they made a lot of things. Hey, listeners, could you do me a favor and not tell Mars you've had that experience at our Twitter at ArtGhostPod? Thank you. <laughs> Let's listen to <laughs> Lovecraft in Brooklyn. Yeah, let's do that. Stick to the shadows and I can. Lovecraft and Brooklyn. When the sun goes down, the armies of the voiceless. Several hundred thousand strong. Without their bandages. Their voices raised in song. And when the street lights sputter out. They make this awful sizzling sound I cast my gaze toward the pavement Too many bloodstains on the ground Rhode Island drops into the ocean No place to call home anymore Love Bradley Brooklyn so, um, so what uh, what does the song have to do, really, with um, noted racist H.P. Lovecraft? Uh, let me tell you. Please do. H.P. Lovecraft lived in Red Hook, a neighborhood of Brooklyn that has more or less resisted gentrification for over a hundred years. I'm Love- I I see that reading directly from the Genius Lyrics annotation. Yeah, I don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, basically, he was um, just so fucking racist. <laughs> um, just exceptionally racist. And living in Red Hook uh, made him so full of rage that there dared to be people of colour around him. Uh, back when H.P. Lovecraft was like, oh, that 1800s? That was 1800s, probably. Who cares? I hate him. Yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Stupid dumb bitch. Um, He's and- dead and, and that's... <laughs> I will piss on him one day. I will piss on him. This has been a very piss-heavy episode. I don't say piss-heavy. God, you're gross. This has been a very piss-soaked episode. Mm, I'm gonna hang up on you. Do the rest That's of the valid. podcast by myself. <laughs> yeah, let's just let's just hang up on each other, and then since we record separately, let's <laughs> keep recording and tie Guess it together. Guess whether the person is talking. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So yeah, he eventually uh, wrote the story a horror, uh, the horror at Red Hook, um, and so John Daniel, uh, the mountain goat himself, did say uh, in an interview with Io9's Charlie Jane Anders uh, concerning the song's imagery, he said, "Lovecraft in Brooklyn is not really about Lovecraft. It's sung by a guy who's identifying with Lovecraft at his most xenophobic and terrified." Why does that appeal? I think I'm just attracted to hermits in general, to people who don't feel like they're part of the world, who have a hard time feeling like they're really present in the same space as everybody else, which is also a big theme in Lovecraft books. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's interesting because uh, Don hates to write from his own perspective. Uh, he really... <laughs> um, I, I was trying to think earlier about songs that like are actually from his perspective and I couldn't think of any, couldn't be applied to anyone else. Um, and most of them are about characters that he makes up. 
uh, reoccurring ones oftentimes. Uh, sure. And yeah, this is just about this terrible man that is so full of paranoia and rage that every time he steps outside of his apartment, he feels like Lovecraft in Brooklyn. And I think it's really interesting. So uh, Heretic Pride was released in 2008. It is ranked number six out of the 26 albums that are the Mountain Goats have produced. Um, the first being the Sunset Tree with the track uh, This Year on it, which I think is the one that a lot of people know. Um, And this album, this album really, like, it has so many interesting components to it. Um, They join cults, they huddle together in cars, they go to smoke-filled rooms, they talk about getting their brains eaten by Lovecraft monsters, and many of them don't survive. Um, This album is full of heretics, uh, and it is deeply interesting to listen to. Uh, And I'm glad that Gnome the Barbarian suggested this, because uh, I haven't listened to Heretic Pride in some time. Uh, But I have been listening to the podcast, I only listen to the Mountain Goats. Oh right, that that's that's the podcast that I've heard of. For a second, I thought you were gonna say that you, you were gonna do some like fun self promotion there. Nope. Which uh, <laughs> which which I thought was gonna be would would be pretty odd. Mm. Um, you know, like I've I I've just been listening to Artificial Ghost Radio. You should oh, listen sh- to it. <laughs> sure, that would be very upsetting. <laughs> yeah, it would. Like, could you could you imagine? <laughs> Hey, hey, let's let's. I don't listen to music. I only listen to artificial Grizz radio. I've I've got a listeners. I've got a podcast recommendation for you. It's the one you're listening to. We should do a podcast recommendations episode. Got to get a diversity of audio up in here. All right, up in here. So, don't (laughs) you're gonna make me lose my mind. Up Uh, in here. Up in here. So I only make me lose control. Oh my god, I'm going to fucking. Find your y'all, address y'all, and y'all fucking make me post you cool. pictures of me frowning and flipping you off every Tuesday through Wednesday and until here. one of us dies. So when I only listen to the Mountain Goats, X uh, give it to you. is hosted by John Darnell of the Mountain Goats and Joseph Fink, creator of the legendary podcast Welcome to Night Vale and new international success Alice Isn't Dead. It's a fascinating podcast that talks to John about uh, his tracks on his second most successful album, All Hail West Texas, which I think is deeply interesting considering I know nothing about West Texas. Um, Uh And that's where he spent a great deal of his time. Uh, And he gets very uh, famous and interesting people to cover the songs on uh, this album, such as uh, Julian Costa from The Music Tapes, which I bought uh, in an earlier episode. Also, Andrew Bird, which I also bought on an earlier episode. Uh, And Laura Jane Grace, the uh, lead singer of Against Me, uh, that famously did uh, Transgender Dysphoria Blues. Mm-hmm. Uh, that really good album. Uh, and um, ad- yeah. additionally, I saw that the song um, just on a just on a just on a me note was uh, also covered by Aesop Rock, who is a um, a rapper who I enjoyed the last album of great deal, mm-hmm. great uh, a great deal. Yeah, I saw that too, and I was like, oh, that's out of left field. <laughs> Hawaii. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so listening to this podcast is really fascinating because you don't often get to hear uh, creators talk about their own music um, in a really frank uh, manner. And John yeah. often says, like, you know, he feels uncomfortable sometimes because his first instinct is to always change the subject to something that isn't him. 
Uh, so when they have people on to interview them or talk about the song that they covered, uh, he often wants to just change the subject of whatever they're doing. Uh, I think that's really funny. Um, they've also had uh, John Green on uh, on the first mm-hmm. episode. The first episode is also my favourite episode, luckily enough, where they cover uh, the best ever death metal band in Denton. Um, and it's covered by Laura Jane Grace, of Against Me. Uh, and they have John Green on to talk about uh, religion uh, and how I think both him and John wanted to become uh, religious men at one point or another, like he was in uh, religious school. Uh, and it was deeply interesting to listen to them talk about that. And also uh, Joseph Fink as a Jewish man talking about his experience with religion uh, and them talking about that in relation to that song, um, The Best Ever Death Metal Band Out of Denton because as religious uh, members in the Mountain Goats, they wrote this uh, song about a death metal duo uh, that's all about hailing Satan, but it's more of an anthem about uh, letting go and being able to be free and being remembered. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's what I love also about Heretic Pride, is that there's all these weird, interesting stories and a lot of death and the macabre and Lovecraft and stuff, uh, but it still manages to be weirdly uplifting. Even it's it's depression music for when you're mostly trying to get better. Right? Yeah. Again, what did I you mean, think about? Uh, I mean, Lovecraft I've, I've never really heard a. Ma- I mean, I'm aware of of John Green. I have followed his work. Um, I have at least four of his books. I have read one of them. Oh, no, I have five. I've got the new one. Um, I've just read the one. Can't remember which one. What um, was it about? Can't remember. Sick. Um, I think it might have been An Abundance of Catherines. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Might, might, might have been that one. Either way. Um, but I, I his his love for the Mountain Goats is, um, is notorious. Yep. That said, yeah, again, like I, I've really never heard a mountain. I think this was the first mountain goat song I've ever heard. Actually, you know what's really wonderful? What up? Um, is that uh, so John Green references uh the mountain goats. He also references Neutral Milk Hotel, which uh is the band that Julian Coster is also a part of. The music Capes Man. Uh, and then he made a podcast called uh, The Orbiting Human Circus of the Air, which is in the Welcome to Night Vale uh, podcast network. And mm-hmm. so it's like six degrees of fucking separation. Uh, well, now they're all on a podcast together. As, as you know, um, everyone has a podcast nowadays. Oh yeah, fully. But who who are all these folks just jumping on the podcast bandwagon? Yeah, these it's, assholes like the creators of Welcome to Night Vale. These like like uh, like those folks that like what, that fucking show Artificial Ghost Radio. <laughs> fucking bandwagon jumpers. <sighs> I have two more podcasts that I'm doing this summer. I'm really getting through it. Yeah, you're, you're, I mean, hell, you're gonna, you're gonna start a new podcast at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like I just said, for my friend yeah. that was listening to me. Yeah. Uh, wait, you're doing a second one as well? Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't even heard of that one. Secret podcast, secret, secret. A secret from even May? Mm-hmm. Am I gonna be on it? Nope. Oh, fun. <laughs> Dope. No, this is a, uh, I don't, you, we can cut this if we want, anyway. Actually, no, fuck it, I don't care. Um, I don't know what it's going to be called yet. I'm thinking about um, Miles breaks into his friend's house, uh, and it's me whenever I have to break into my friend's uh, Nathan and Foster's house when they're not there so I can hang out and play Mario Kart. Um, and it's just going to be us talking and having little conversations. Uh, it's going to be oh, a bit fine. looser. I just have, like, one little topic to sort of talk about and elaborate on because we have the good fun back and forth, and it's going to be Janae, Foster, Nathan, and I. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Um, right. One microphone, four hearts, just right. That I, I am certain that that will be some good audio. So Mars, yeah, what up? Do you have anything else to say about Lovecraft in Brooklyn? Um, no, I mean, I, I, on, on, I said. Uh, for the Vecalovania one that I would take more of a backseat. But on this one, I, I really feel like like I am because I I don't know. I have no experience with this band and I feel like there's... Uh, I feel like, you know, like I I, I... I went into this song sort of with a bunch of questions and you sort of inadvertently answered them all. Oh, hell yeah. So I'm kind of at a loss... At a loss for words. Find him. Pick him up. Oh, shit. My words. They're all, they're all over the place. <laughs> buffs. I dropped a can of ravioli and it spelled out, you will die on the 28th of October in 2029. And the fun thing is, is that it's ravioli. Like, how do you even do that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I also saw that, that, that Tumblr post. Which fucking one? Uh, the, the thing where it was just like, you know, like, uh, people, like it's it's cool to make divinations from tea leaves so what like why is it suddenly uncool when oh, I dump, yeah. a, dump a, a a can of ravioli on the floor and fuck i forgot about that yeah you subconsciously that's a mean. good post it is it is that oh god let's finish the podcast let's end hey, this i'm hey. gonna put a gun up to your fucking computer and execute <laughs> it oh i just fixed it though that's true. My tablet's broken. Can you fix that? Thanks. Um, yeah. Uh, let me, uh, let me just hop on over and I'll, uh, hit it with a wrench a couple times. That's how you fix things in video mm-hmm. games. Yeah, so hang on. My tits are things. out. I'm just put them away. Yep. Yeah, that's I'm how you sorry. fix it. I do love in video games how you just hit shit with a wrench and it just fixes it. <laughs> Why the fuck? Is it supposed to be, like, alluding to being a mechanic? Because I don't think that's how mechanics fix things. Well, you know, you know, like you, you go, you go, you drive up to the to the uh, to the car repair place. They, you know, they lift up your car with you in it. That's not how it works, but they mm-hmm. they do that. Um, They're superheroes, sure. No, no, no. There's the there's the machine that does it. Oh, sure, yeah, yeah. Um, and they look at the bottom of the car and they yell up at you. Uh, it's it's broken. Pay me five hundred dollars to hit it with a wrench a bunch of times. Sorry, can I just say, um, can you retake that line? Uh, you do need to know that every mechanic is from Brooklyn, so if you could just uh redo that. Sure, 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 sure. You're right. Thank you're you. right. Thank I'm you. sorry. Yeah, I'm sure. sorry. Um, so so they they lift it up. They look they look under the the car. They look at mm-hmm. the um car bits. The car bits. Um, the car tummy. Where. Where where the sun don't shine Ew. Uh, in the car of the car. I mean, hey, you're right. Where here's a question. Here's a question for you. Yeah, what's up, where, You haven't asked me any questions. Are Lightning McQueen's nuts? He has truck nuts. They're on the back. <laughs> that was maybe the best answer you could give. Um, the first time I ever saw truck nuts, I was with my mum, and she just looked mm-hmm. at them and went, "What are those? They were white, and they were on a ute." Now, I I never, I I don't think I've ever understood the appeal of truck nuts. Well, it's when men with very terrible tuna can penises think, I need people to know that I am a man. And the best way to advertise that is by putting fake testicles on my ute. 
the people who um who put truck nuts on their car are the same kind of people who um damn it i forgot what i was gonna say that that um it was it was gonna be a very oh right yeah yeah, yeah. now i remember it i'm gonna start over all right yeah hit me um the um the the pe- the kind of people who put truck nuts on their vehicles vehicles the vehicles are the same kind of people who will like always buy the like fucking cans of chocolate snacks that are like like santa poop and it's just like why oh like the novelty yeah, like the reindeer yeah. shitting out some like chocolate covered raisins yeah. hell they're yeah they're the they're the exact same kind of people god they okay now Here's the thing, Mars, is that you're right, but that's only right for Americans because every uncle and grandpa and dad that has ever existed has bought those in Australia. Oh no, my my dad has also, and none of them he, have truck. <laughs> he, my dad would never put truck nuts on his car. Also, truck nuts on a thing. That's right. Apparently, they are. That one dude found a way. One dude found. <laughs> it's actually just his nuts. He painted them white and just mm, fucking left gross. them hung up to dry. Pretty sure that's what, trans, that's, that's what trans dudes do, right? Just take them off after a long day. Thanks so much for listening. Oh my god, that's like the song Detachable Penis. What? The song Detachable Penis. Hawa? <laughs> I'll bring it one day. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to Artificial Ghost Radio. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> I, well, I mean... Sorry, keep doing it. Sorry, I'll stop. <laughs> If you have any suggestions for what we can talk about at the first half of the show, or have any song suggestions that you would like to leave us, you can tweet us at ArtGhostPod on Twitter, or you can email us at ArtGhostPod at gmail.com. Oh, also, uh, one yes. last thank you to Gnome the Barbarian and yes, at... one last one one more thank you to Gnome the at Gnome D A D Barbarian. Oh, Gnome is not spelled like Gnome. You should say it. N O M E D A Barbarian thank and you. also at Gamer Eye Patch for Nathan. You good? Yeah, I was trying to remember what they suggested if you enjoyed the show please do share it with a friend who who you think might enjoy it word of mouth is the only way that we get our show out there to new ears so sharing it uh is is really appreciated and also leave leave us a rating on itunes i haven't said that in a while yeah um but uh you can do that and it helps us out somehow thank you so much for listening to artificial ghost radio And we will see you on the other side. Bye. Bye. Here I am on the other side. It's actually just a doorway that I went through. Yeah, well, see, it's one of those things where, like, you open the door and then there's another door behind it and you just keep opening doors forever and ever. Doors all the way down, hell yeah. Yeah, Yeah. well, doors all the way forward. Time and uh, directions are an illusion. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's all relative. Yeah, yeah. What is my forwards if not your down? I mean, if you're laying on the ground, like, face down, yeah. Yeah. All right, that's it. (laughs)